This is Mike Bartolomeo, pastor of Church for the Harvest in Alexandria, Minnesota. The Bible is the Word of God. Within its pages are revealed God's perfect will and plan for mankind, the answers to life's hardest questions, and instructions on how to live a victorious Christian life. I believe the following message can change your life if you will let it. Join us now as we share the Word of God today. Father, we thank you for those divine opportunities that, and appointments that have already happened. And Lord, we thank you for an abundance more of them as the team goes out to Mardi Gras tonight. We thank you, God, that your angels go before them, that you're protecting them, that you're making a way. And Lord, we pray for open hearts and open ears and open lives, Father God, that they can do exactly what they, call, they were called to do and bring in the harvest, that lives would be changed and impacted for your glory and that they would come to know the risen Jesus Christ, and surrender their lives to him. Father, we thank you for the testimonies being built even now. Father, as you strengthen the team, you give them good health, and you fill their words with, with your words of hope and love and restoration. And Father, for the remainder of the service, Lord, I pray for your anointing. I pray that you would help me deliver the message that you've given me. And Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to have an increased understanding of what you have for us, Lord, that we would be changed into your likeness from glory to glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, aren't you glad you're in church this morning? Yeah. yeah. I'm always glad when I come. I got to tell you, to be honest, sometimes it's a challenge to get into the presence of God for me. Sometimes there's things that stand in my way, and I, I actually had that a little bit last week. I was pretty honest and open with uh, Ryan and Katie. I just felt like, gosh, I got so much on my plate, and I, I could be doing homework right now, or I could be doing something else. But as soon as I got into the church service and I sensed the presence of God, God's presence started speaking to my heart, and I knew I was just in the right place at the right time. And that happens whether I'm in the Word at home or I'm worshiping in the car, you get there into the presence of God and things start happening and you recognize no time in the presence of God is ever wasted time. In fact, when you get into the presence of God, things start shifting, right? Your mind starts seeing things different. Your heart starts seeing diff things different. You gain a new perspective and you're like, okay, I would much rather make that exchange. I'd rather have God's perspective than what I had before because what I had before was pretty discouraging and I never regret that. So we're going to continue on in the, that vein. I'm going to let you know from the get-go what the objective is. It's to help change your mind and shift your perspective so that you can grab hold and focus and align with God's perspective. Are you game for that? Yeah, okay. So this morning's message is for those of you who may have been uh, wrestling with some issues, like maybe feeling stagnant, maybe feeling a little stuck in things, maybe feeling a little frustrated that things haven't progressed the way that you hoped they would progress, a sense that you've hit a wall of sorts in some aspect of your life. In fact, that's why I titled this message, Have You Hit a Wall? When you're doing all that you know to do, you're going through all the motions, and things just aren't quite changing. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Yeah? Okay, I see some heads nodding. Here's the deal. Life has a funny thing with being um, kind of going through patterns and kind of going through seasons. So if I'm not talking to you this morning, hang on to this message because it might come up down the line that you're trying 
to get through something. You're trying to press through something, and you're just not gaining the ground like you hoped you'd want to. You're trying to gain that, that spiritual maturity. You're trying to resolve this relational issue. You're trying to progress in something, and it seems evasive, and you're just not gaining what you want to get to. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn in your, to your Bibles into one of my favorite books of the Bible, and that's Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. I love that it starts out with a repeated command. See if I can make this work for me this morning. It says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed or distressed. Don't be stressed, God says. Don't be stressed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I want to encourage you this morning, church. God is not a dormant God. He doesn't just go with you wherever he goes, but he is wherever you go. He's always working on your behalf. And God says repeatedly, have I not commanded you be strong? Do not be, be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Don't be stressed out about it. I'm with you wherever you go. God is engaged and he favors you. Now I want to give you the backstory of where we're heading to. Moses had been the leader and now Moses has died, right? And the Israelites had been wandering in the years for 40 years, and now Joshua has succeeded him as the leader of the Israelites, and it's time for them to go in and take possession of the promised land. They're on the verge of taking possession of it. So in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua sends out two spies to the promised land, and he says in that, in verse 1, he says, I want you especially to check out Jericho especially Jericho, because Joshua is navigating his battle strategy. He wants to look at this. Back then, cities were fortified with walls, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, but they were fortified with walls, and so he's sending out these spies. He's like, spy out the land, especially look at Jericho, because that city is one that, that's the first one we're going to have to take out. So those spies go out, and they meet a woman named Rahab, and she says unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any one of us because of you, for the Lord your God He is God of heaven above and on earth beneath. So Rahab says, you know what? Your reputation precedes you. We're already faint of heart. And she she already shares the condition of the enemy's heart with, with the spies. And Rahab actually becomes a really strategic player in this whole thing because the men of Jericho come to take out those two spies and she hides them and protects them. And in the process, negotiates her protection for her family and herself going forward. You're familiar with the story? Okay, so she negotiates that. And, and later on down the line, it says in the Bible that she was doing very well living with the Israelites, and she actually became the great-grandma to David. I love that story because it just shows the vein of God always working out redemption. His primary goal in your life is always to work out redemption and establish his kingdom. I love that story. So the, so the spies go back, and they're going to pass this on to Joshua, 
who's strategizing his battle plan. Now, I don't know if you've ever studied Jericho, but I thought, well, I'm going to take a look and see exactly what this looks like because, because I don't drive by many walled cities. So I didn't know, you know, does the wall look like what we see on the interstate when we're going downtown, you know, in Minneapolis? Is that what the wall looks like? You know, what, what's so big about this wall? I found it so interesting to learn that Jericho is thought to be the oldest city ever. Did you know that? Thought to be the oldest city ever. Archaeologists claim it was built on the Jordan River 9,000 years before Christ. It has, it has been established. It's been around. It's been through a few battles. 9,000 years before Christ, the city was actually built on a mound, and this is what it looked like. First, there was an embankment, and up on that embankment, if you follow it up, there is a stone retaining wall that stood 12 to 15 feet tall. Well, that's pretty impressive. But then following that that outer wall, there's another embankment, and then there was an inner upper wall that from the ground up stood approximately 30 to 40 feet tall. Can you imagine how massive that looked? Can you imagine walking up and seeing this? And it circled about 9 to 10 acres, and all the inhabitants of Jericho were tightly locked up in Jericho, and all the people that had lived like in the agricultural society, they had all gone into the city for safety, and it was all tightly locked up. Guess what? It was right after harvest time, so they had all their provision. There was no reason for them to come out. They had all their food, and there were springs that fed water into the city. They were set, right? So can you imagine? So Joshua's like, he's planning his battle strategy, how we're going to take out Jericho. This city's been around for for centuries and withstood how many wars and battles, but we're going to figure this out because God has given us this land, right? And so he's planning his, his battle strategy, but I would just recommend, I don't know if you see those little brown marks, those are like what people look like compared to that wall. I just recommend that the situation maybe looked impossible. And maybe there's some of you today that you're looking at a situation and it seems like the wall is just too high and too wide, and it looks impossible. And I want to encourage you this morning that when God encounters the impossible, he's not shaken, all right? When God encounters the impossible, he's not moved. In fact, he kind of rolls up his sleeves and he's like, this is my specialty. Let's do this, right? So, so God doesn't waver. He doesn't change his mind. So Joshua is scoping things out. He's devising his battle strategy, but let's look and see what God says. In Joshua chapter 6, now there's lots of scripture here, bear with me, but it's good, it's a great story. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat." And the people shall go up, every man straight before him. So Joshua called the priests together. He called the armed men together. He called the rear guard together. He explains to them, we're going to go around. We're going to march around this city. We're going to do it in this order. It's going to be the armed men. You're all dressed for battle. 
It's going to be the priests with the horns, and then it's going to be the rear guard. We're going to do that. He doesn't tell them how, how long they're going to do it. How many of you have been facing some challenges and you just want to know, just tell me how long we're going to do it, right? But he doesn't tell them, but he just says, this is what we're going to do. And then he says, now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around at once, then they came back in and lodged, and then they did that for five more days until the seventh day when they walked around seven times. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only, they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Now the first thing I want you to recognize in this story is that the walls of Jericho were tightly shut up. We know from Rahab that the enemy was fearful and was purposeful in keeping the Israelites out. Okay, so sometimes when you're pressed and you're trying to get your breakthrough, what are some things that kind of wander through your mind? I'll tell you some things that wander through my mind. Maybe you misunderstood God. Uh, maybe that prophetic word wasn't right. Maybe that promise that you have rumbling in your heart is too big. It really isn't from God. Maybe that promise is for everyone else. Hey, does anyone else struggle with that? Am I the only one? No? Okay. So we wrestle with those thoughts, right? What happened? Why was Jericho tightly shut up? Because the enemy was fearful about what was coming at him. Okay. Why was Jericho tightly shut up? Because the enemy was fearful about what was coming at him. The reputation preceded them. Okay, Pastor Mike last week, he said, a really great thing. In talking in a series of expectation, expectation, he said, Satan is not fearful of what you were. He's not fearful of what you were. He may be fearful of what you are, depending on what you're grabbing from God. But I'll tell you for certain, he's shaking in his boots about what you could be when you get the revelation of who God created you to be and what your purpose is, and you start walking in that fullness of faith and revelation. Satan is shaking in his boots, and guess what he's going to do with those promises? Whatever he can, he's going to try to tightly shut them up so that you don't have access to it. Does that mean God changed his mind about it? Absolutely not. Come on, we, I'll do better if you guys are more interactive, right? Did God change his mind about it? No, he didn't change his mind. It's the enemy he needs to keep you from obtaining because that's his survival strategy, right? So you got to press in. you got to see what the truth of the matter is in this process. What did God say? God said, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king and it's mighty men of valor. See, I've given it to you. Did, did Joshua have it yet? No, he didn't. But what had to happen? God already said, it's a done deal. I know the beginning from the end. He's already said it's a done deal. But was there still a process to go through? Yeah, 
There was a process in it. There was a process in obtaining. So what do you do when it is what you see is not what God said? What do you do with that? Should we put it in some real life situations? What do you do when God says, you know what, I, I want you to live a life full of peace, and you go home and you got like marriage, like two rams? Have you been there? Okay, I've been there. Let's just, I'll just be honest. I'll talk about myself. You lay it on the line up here, you know? What do you do when God says that he's your provider and you're struggling with making ends meet? What do you do with that? What do you do with when, when God says, I'm your healer, and you've got that diagnosis that you've got to live with every day, that you're taking before him, that you're laying before the altar and saying, what do you do with that? What do you do when God says, I've given you the victory, and you're struggling internally with feelings of, of, of frustration, with feelings of rejection, with feelings of failure? What do you do with that? I'll tell you what you're going to do with that. You're going to decide by the grace and the power of God to take on the full armor of God and stand on his word as strongly as you can and fight the good fight as fiercely as you can, the good fight of faith. That's what you do with that. You don't stop. You don't lay down. You don't give up. You press in because it's not God who is withholding the promise from you. It's the enemy that's trying to keep you from obtaining because he's fearful of what happens if you obtain that promise. Amen? So you keep fighting, and you keep pressing in, and you keep standing on the word of God with all the strength that you have. Jericho was the first city that Joshua and the Israelites would have to take, and God was in the process of positioning them to understand the power of trusting him, the power of worshiping him, and the power of obeying him. Because when we trust him, when we walk with a stature of worship and trust and looking to God and a stature of obedience, that's when we can see past the walls. That's when we can gain his perspective on things. That's when we can start declaring his truth over things. Amen? Amen. It doesn't matter what you see. It really doesn't matter what you see. You've got what matters is what God sees and that you align your focus to what God sees. That's where you place your faith. I want to challenge you, just think about it in the natural. If you consider a seed, what do you do with a seed? You make sure that you put it in good soil, right? In the proper placement so it gets good light. You water it, you nurture it. But what is happening underneath that soil? Is stuff, is stuff changing underneath that soil? Yeah, stuff is changing. But do you see the evidence of it yet? Mm-mm. It could take days, it could take weeks, it could take years till you see the fruit of that. But do you just say, it's not working? Must not have been for me. Do you, is, that the, is that what you conclude? Absolutely not. You keep nurturing that seed, right? You keep patiently waiting. You keep trusting that this thing is going to grow and this thing is going to develop. I want to tell you, when you walk in obedience and trust, it's never wasted time. God is always working on your behalf, not just in the past, not in the future. God is the God of now, and even now, I want to give you hope that God is working on your behalf. What you're walking through, what you're pressing through, God is doing a work in it. You might not see it. It might not be evident. It might still be covered in the soil, but God is working on your behalf. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to walk in that. The same thing is true, that God is continually working in our life. I'm not going to be discouraged by what I don't see. 
I am going to be encouraged about what the Word of God says. And I'm going to press on and press in until I see that breakthrough. God says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's a really nice scripture to have on a nursery wall. It's a really nice scripture to speak over our kids. I want to tell you, that's a really great scripture, regardless of what age and stage of life you're in. God still has good plans for you. He still has thoughts of a hope and a future for you. And he wants to see that fulfilled more than you do. Amen? All right. So we know Joshua had been working on battle strategies, but God devised a plan that did not make sense. Marching around walls a total of 13 times. One time, six days seven times on the seventh day, and not saying anything about it until it was time to shout. Have you ever had that? You're just moving around, doing your thing, and nothing's changing, right? Going about, doing your thing, and nothing's changing. You'd love to exchange some wisdom with someone because you got plenty of it, but nobody's interested. (laughs) You'd be tempted, but maybe you won't act on it, to advise God how we could wrap this thing up a little bit better and call it a day, right? Have you ever done that? You know, God, if we just do my plan, right? But God says, no, I'm establishing something in you in the process. I'm working all things together for your good in the process. I'm ever-present with you, and I'm always working on your behalf, even when you don't see it. You might not see it with your physical eyes, but in the spiritual realm, things are happening for you at all, all the time. God is always working on your behalf. The Bible is full of different stories of war and war, how those wars were fought and how those wars were lost, and how those wars were won. And I got to tell you, God is not linked to a certain kind of method, right? He's not linked to a certain kind of methodology. What he did five years ago in your life might look entirely different than what it looks like today, but what God is mostly concerned about is establishing with you obedience and trust so that he can show himself faithful and strong. He doesn't want to see you be strong in your own accord. He wants you to be seeing Christ in me, the hope of glory. He wants you to see Jesus as your perfect source of strength and ability, amen, so that he can gain the glory and that you can just walk in and know what that's like to be in partnership and to be in step with God. I don't want to be anywhere else. I've tried it. It does not work well, all right? So the cities had already heard of the Israelites and their God, and they were shaken. And after the walls of Jericho dropped, The power of God in his heart for his people was known by all. It was established throughout, right? But I want to propose to you that in addition to gaining the Israelites' trust and obedience, in addition to establishing Joshua as his leader, in addition to God making his own name known great throughout all the earth, that God was working out something else. He was working out a process of redemption. And there's just a vein this morning that I just can't shake about how much God is passionate about redemption, how he's passionate about redeeming every aspect of you, every part of you, not just your, your spiritual well-being, but also every thought that you have, that he's passionate about redeeming even your thoughts. He loves us so much not to leave us in a mess. You see, the previous generation of Israelites, can we call them Israelites 1.0? Okay. 
They spent a lot of time just wandering in the wilderness, right? And as soon as they got in the wilderness, what'd they start doing? Grumbling, mumbling, complaining, criticizing, even turning their back on God. They had all this wisdom, you know, if Moses got a clue, he'd do it this way, right? Or turning their back on God. And when they went out to take out Jericho, the first thing that happened was God said, you're going to go and you're going to march around this thing. Mom's the word. We're not talking about it. We're not building up Jericho to be bigger than what it already is. We're not going to focus on the problem and talk about it so that it gains strength and, and perspective in our life that is way beyond what it ever should be, right? God said, no, I'm going to redeem this. I want you to go into battle, and I don't want you to talk about it. I don't want you to talk about the problem. The Israelites had the chance to examine what was before them every time they walked around that wall. They had a chance to see what was before them every time they walked around the wall. The men were dressed in their armor. They were ready for battle, but they just walked around the wall, and they didn't say anything. And here's what happened when they walked around the wall. This is what I'm going to believe. This is what I believe happened. See, because God cares about redemption. I believe as they walked, instead of seeing a problem, they started seeing a promise. Come on. Instead of seeing a promise, they chose to change their view and see, a pro- see the promise, the possibilities, right? They weren't talking about it. Just something happening in their heart. A choice that they were going to make, a perspective they were going to make. Instead of seeing fear, they started looking at where they could apply their faith, right? Come on. Instead of seeing frustration, I'm going to look at where I can apply my faith. Where's your, where's your Jericho? What's your Jericho? I don't know what your Jericho is. I don't know if it's your marriage. I don't know if it's your job. I don't know if it's your finances. I don't know if it's a relationship with one of your kids. I don't know if it's your own internal frustration that you're just not satisfied with where you're at. Where is it at? Instead of seeing the problem, are you seeing the possibilities? Are you seeing God's deliverance in it? Instead of criticizing, they started seeing how they could collaborate, how they could take and build a partnership to take more ground for the kingdom of God. Instead of a wall of worry and doubt, they started seeing a place where they could apply the word and stand on the word. Amen? Instead of seeing the wall, they looked and they saw Jesus' way. And God started redeeming things. Grumbling, complaining, mumbling, focusing on the problem. No, we're going to start focusing on the promise, the provision, the possibility, the faith, the, the way of Christ. We're going to start focusing on that. They changed their perspective. Amen? They filled up on the right thoughts. And then with those thoughts, when it came time, they were able to give a shout. And because they'd been walking and they got the right thoughts, they were able to give a shout, and they gave a shout in strength and in power. And guess what that shout included? That shout included truths. Let's talk about some of those truths. By his stripes, I am healed. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God has made me the head and not the tail. Amen? I am an overcomer. I live an abundant abundant life, and I fear no lack. Amen? Come on, go ahead and stand with me. I am redeemed in a new creation in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
I do not walk in the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You know what? If God did it for Jesus, he can do it for you. Jesus grew in wisdom and strength. Jesus grew in favor with God and men. I believe God wants to do that for me and for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning as I invite the worship team up and the prayer team as well. Regardless of what it is you're facing, regardless of what your Jericho has been, I want to encourage you this morning not to give heed to the enemy, not to give heed to that voice. So maybe it's not for you. I want to encourage you to keep on marching. Keep on keeping your perspective aligned with God's. Because you never know, this next lap around might be your final lap. (laughs) Might be your opportunity to give that shout. You're closer than you were before, and God is faithful. He can be trusted for the outcome but he's looking to you for your obedience. Psalm 37, 34 says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This morning, the bottom line is, don't give up. Don't quit. Stand on the word of God. Fight that fierce fight of faith. It's worth it. It'll build a testimony in you. That process will establish truths in you that no demon in hell, no man on earth can argue. And when that is, becomes evident in your life, it's going to go before you and be an encouragement to so many others. It'll open doors for you to share the truths of God's word and to help build the kingdom. That's encouraging to me. But there's some of you here today that I know have grown weary. You've done several laps. Some of you are feeling like, I think I'm going to lean up against this wall for a while. Take a rest. You're just tired. And I just want to encourage you not to stop short. You're closer than you think, walking in what God's promised. And I just want to pray for you this morning. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to just pray a quick prayer. I want to encourage you to continue to trust and believe even when you don't see it. So, Father, we just lift up this message this morning. Father, you know what people's Jerichos look like. And, God, your word stands true. You have given them the city. You have given them the promise. And so, Lord, right now I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would just infuse each and every person with a fresh breath, a fresh strength, a fresh encouragement, a fresh determination to pursue you, Father God, to trust you, Father God. Lord, be the wind to their back. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that it says in the word that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They rise up like eagles. They soar, Father God. And I just thank you, Lord, for a whole new perspective beyond the walls, Father God, and to the promise, Father God. I thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, not even a weapon of discouragement, Father God. So I just thank you, Lord, for walls falling down and testimonies being built, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for a strengthening and a fortitude in your church and your children, Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now, and, and, in every church service that we have, and I know most of you, so I, all, I think you're all believers, but I'm just going to give this invitation that if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is your day. Now is your time. So I just want to invite you to join me in a prayer. You know, one thing I just know is so true in my life is 
I just don't do it good on my own. <laughs> I've tried so many times to do it on my own because I think I'm pretty clever. And then I find that God's way just really is the better way. And so I love just coming back before him. There's a psalm that talks about, Lord, I just lay the pieces of my life before you on the altar. And I wait for your fire to drop on my heart. I wait to hear your word. I wait to hear your direction. And when we wait on the Lord, he's faithful to show up. He's faithful to give that direction. But it starts with first surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. So I just want to invite you, if you have never asked Jesus to come in and be Lord of your life, today's your day. And I just encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin and came back to life with resurrection power. I don't want to live apart from you. I repent of my sin. I ask for your forgiveness and choose to follow you from this moment forward. Jesus, I give you my life. Be Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I just want to remind you back to the story we, we went over today, is that you're not designed to do this alone. When they marched around the walls of Jericho, there were the armed men, there were the priests, there were the rear guards. And if you don't have a home church, I just want to invite you to be part of our church family. We have pastors. We have church family. We have life groups. We have relationships. And that's one of the ways that you can knock out the enemy is <laughs> to stay in godly relationships where you're feeling like, gosh, I'm kind of discouraged and someone comes alongside and says, let me remind you of this truth. Let me remind you of this future that God has spoken over you. Let me remind you of this promise that is yes and amen to you. So you're not meant to do it alone. Amen? Did you get something out of this morning, I hope? Good. Praise God. Well, let's just close the service right now. If you need additional prayer and hands laid upon you, we've got people that are trustworthy, if there's something that you're like, I just want agreement over this, that the walls will come down, we would love to speak the word over you. So Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness this morning. We thank you for the word that was spoken. We thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we just don't want to live without it. And Lord, I just lift up this whole church family. I lift up our, our family in Mardi Gras. I thank you for the fruit that's being produced there. And Lord, I just pray for a safe return for them. I pray for safety and blessing over all of our church family and pray that you would just show yourself in a mighty way throughout this week to them, that they would just be overjoyed with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you. Feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times in meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.